in a nation dominated by mass media manipulation, rampant consumerism, and a brainwashing government. A zombie epidemic known as the Lazarus virus is bringing the recently deceased back to life. As the dead feed upon the living, Channel 5's TV news feeds its audience a false picture of the danger, death, and doom that is close at hand. The station's lead anchorwoman learns of a government-mandated broadcast blackout of all Walking Dead news and live footage, so she enlists the help of her trusted cameraman and a demented military guard to spread the word any way they can. With the truth on their side, and flesh-hungry monsters gathering in numbers and strength, the trio must warn unsuspecting citizens about the nightmare at their doorsteps before it's too late. News at 11. I'm Corey. And I'm Paul. And we are the The B-Movie Bros. Here we review B-Movies as critically as we can. Sometimes we get off topic, but randomness is a gift. This week we are doing the 2004 zombie feature Feeding the Masses, which was released by Shakarama Cinema in 2005, the same company that released Bite Me, which we did a few weeks ago. So what you heard was the back of the box. And now we want to take a look at the cover art here. Okay, so here on the cover, we've... It says, obviously, it says Feeding the Masses. There's a tagline from um, Horror Watch. It says, do yourself a favor. Don't just watch Feeding the Masses. Listen. And there's this weird... It really looks more like a ghoul or a vampire um, coming out of a TV. I mean, he's, he's white and bald. Yellow eyes and, like... It actually teeth too. It like, makes me think of The Ring. Do you remember the girl coming out of the TV in The Ring? I never saw The Ring, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, actually, the, the monster on the cover is coming out of a TV screen. So it doesn't have that long, creepy air. So it's actually less creepy than The Ring. So it, like it, it makes me think ring. like they're capitalizing on that image, like people thinking things coming out of the TV screen. Sounds about right. And that makes me think that that's what's going to happen in this movie. Shit is going to come out of the screen... And murder you. Yeah, that's definitely the impression I get out of this. It's like, you're watching TV, suddenly some kind of vampire like creature comes out and kills you. I mean, even just looking at the cover and listening to the back, they don't seem to match up at all. No, not like, even it, close. It doesn't even look like a zombie on the cover. So, let, let's get into it here. Uh, let's talk about our characters. We've only got a few characters in this movie, which is pretty good. Um, first, we have Torch, who is the stoner cameraman. He wants nothing more to inform the people of the truth, even if it means giving up his life. He's obsessed with news being news, being free. Truthiness. And it, he really comes off authentic. He comes off as a fat stoner, but an authentic fat stoner, so... After that, we've got James, who's the tech manager of the TV crew, and he's a total coward. Fran, a TV producer, she's, she's trying to keep her crew in check, um, sh- ruling with an iron fist, and bitch slaps, pretty much. Roger, who's their military escort, and he has an unhealthy obsession with the reporter, to say the least. Yeah, we'll get into that later. We've got Agent Bon. Oh, we've got Sherry, who is the reporter trying to get her big break. Speaking of reporters, yeah, sure. We've got Agent Barnes, who is the government liaison, and he's he's just a prick. Uh, he thinks he's the best. He likes Gal- Gilligan's Island, and 
he wants to be the focus of everything that's going on at the station. And then we have Chad. I, I just want to say I love that one of his qual- qualities is I, he likes Gilligan's Island. He's a dick. He also likes, he likes Gilligan's, Gilligan's Island. Island. Oh, dicks like Gilligan's Island. I bet he likes Skipper because Skipper beats on Gilligan. Probably. Skipper is kind of a dick. So, and then we've got Chad, who's the head of the TV station, and he's, he's worried about ratings more than about people's lives. He wants them to go out, get the news story, because the, the less stuff that we have on TV, the more people tune out. Because, you know, in the apocalypse, ratings matter. Yeah, that didn't really make much sense to me. If everyone's dead, no one can watch your show. So. It, it's really more a reference to Dawn of the Dead from 1978 when they take down the, um, the emergency centers where people are supposed to evacuate to. And the producer gets on and tells them to put those back up because every second they don't have the centers on, people are going to tune out. They're not going to watch the station. Oh, I, hadn't, I actually hadn't thought of that. And speaking of Dawn of the Dead 1978... The names Roger and Fran are taken directly from two characters from that movie. wonder mo- what their names are. From that movie. And also Sherry is probably ripped straight from Resident Evil 2, Sherry Birkin. Ah, uh, another zombie thing. So I-, I think they're just taking names here. Like, did, did you actually find that out? Like, did he look that up, or is he just like... It's possibly? a conspiracy. Okay, I, I can respect that. I, I'm, just, I'm just coming up with links on my own here. You know, Torch, in, uh, in, in the remake of Resident Evil for the GameCube, the only way to definitively get rid of these zombies is to torch them. Ah, uh, I see. Zombies yeah. can't melt steel beams. Well, and in a lot of... You know, zombie movies, a torch is used to keep the zombies at bay. They're afraid of fire. And Torch being our main character, they maybe are trying to symbolize that, you know, that they're afraid of him or something. I feel like we could do this for, all, like, all day with just the names. So, let's just get into it. Um, the movie's pretty straightforward. Um, it happens kind of like in the, the cover says. This TV crew is trying to get the news out there. The government's trying to block them. And it's just their journey through the last few days of possibly the world. Yeah, you don't really find out what happens to everybody. It's just you know that everything is going on. It's an interesting way they set it up because it's kind of the zombie apocalypse is going on and it's already been happening. So it's not like, oh, there are zombies. Let's find out about this. It's just, it's, this is already in the middle of it. And I thought that was kind of cool. So. Let's jump straight back into technical difficulties here. Our top three best and worst qualities of this movie. So I want to kick us off here. You do that. I want to start with the best first this week. And I'm going to start here. Number three. It's a zombie movie with a minimalistic take on the zombies. You already said it. We're already in the midst of the zombie apocalypse. It's more a focus on characters, on the story, and the zombies take a back seat, and I like that. It's not all about the gore or anything like that. Number two. Interlaced in this movie are commercials that are probably airing on Channel 5, the news network they work for, and they're just hilarious. Berman and Berman, recreation reclamation and reburial service you know these two guys that go out and find zombies that you want them to find and they kill them in the most quote-unquote humane way and rebury them for you and you've got the club class party bus 
What do you do when the world's ending? Get on the party bus. <laughs> you know, and then we have the uh, the 1950s esque what to do in case of a zombie attack. Where in the 50s it was if a nuclear bomb strikes, duck and cover. Now it's just play dead. They're just hysterical. Yeah, that was really a good part. I liked that a lot. And then number one is just, it's Torch. He's just so out there. And I love it. I don't know what else to say about Torch other than he he's eccentric. He's there. And he makes the movie. Yeah, Torch was by far the best character. He had the most personality out of any of them. So, Paul, what about you? What are your top three about this movie? Well, for number three, I'm going to have to go with... Honestly, the characters were all kind of interesting. They all had their own reason for doing what they were doing. Um, The um, soldier wanted to be a hero. Um, Torch kind of I thought he just wanted to have sex with Sherry. Well, I'll get into more of that later, but there was a lot of psychological reasons. He, um... A lot of his actions spoke larger than words, and you'll, um... It, it was interesting to see how everything developed, like what was driving a lot of the characters. Like, um, Sherry wanted to, um, she thought this was her road to stardom. Um, I think that Torch really wanted to be, to feel he was important, like he was making a difference. To, For the like, record, most of the time James was driving the characters. He, he was in charge of the van. Yeah, true. Um, for number two, I'm going to have to go with, I really did like the, um, like you, I liked the, the commercials that were meant to, like, make everything okay, like the government commercials. And I love the fact, that, like, when there was, like, a cut scene, they were just placed in there, like, um, just to show you how the world was. Not like, you know, they were watching TV and they just happened to see it. We were actually being shown what were supposed to be commercials that the average person was seeing, and I thought that was really a cool way to do it. And then the, later in the movie, they actually incorporated that into the storyline. They actually true. encountered these things that we saw on the TV. So it wasn't just them throwing that out there and and just to be out there. They actually tied it together. So at the end you kind of saw like how the character how the the ways of making people seem comfortable, like the little um things they had, like the party bus and other such things, and the playing dead, how it, it didn't work. It was all a lie, and I thought that was really cool. And the third, I just really liked the fact that he took a zombie movie and made it more about society but not just like society afterwards blah blah blah. this is like how people were dealing with uh society and you really don't see that much the only time i remember actually seeing that and actually wasn't seeing it was in the book version of um world war z where at one point the the journalist is talking to a guy who's like why and who like lied about a a supposed cure of the zombie virus and he keeps asking him well why did you lie about it he goes oh well it was to comfort people why not make some money he goes well you know you still lie, people died, and he says, well, fucking grow up and everything, and I thought that was really good the way that happened, and this movie definitely had an interesting idea. Whether or not it worked out is another thing, but the idea behind it was definitely worth noting, and I definitely commend them for it. And then with those commercials, again, they showed the fallacy that it was in the commercial aspect and the truth, the reality, what was going on in the tie together, the tie-in. Yes, yeah, so you'd have the characters talking about what was going on, kind of seeing everything for what it was, and then it would be cut to, this is what the average person was seeing or knowing, and I thought that was really interesting the way they did that. So what was your number one? 
Um, well, number one was actually just the idea in general. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I guess we're going to move on to the three worst things about this movie. I guess I'll kiss off, kick, kick us off again here. Go for it. Number three. The zombies in this movie, although I like that they're not focused on, they're very sporadic and they pop up just as the plot needs them. Instead of being like a constant presence, instead of just kind of being out there, it's like a, a, one of the characters gets out of the van and goes to meet all the other characters, and randomly there are zombies in the stairwell. You know, there are not zombies on the street, not zombies in any of the other parts of the parking garage, just in the stairwell. And then they're, they're at the governor's speech, and all of a sudden, like, four zombies appear. You know, I understand it's budgetary constraints, but it just bugs me that the zombies aren't there. They just yeah. pop up. I definitely agree with you there. Um, number two, I felt the movie had a very slow pace. You know, I didn't mind it, but at some points it just seemed to drag. Number one, the support cast was just abysmal. Outside of those core characters, Torch, Sherry, Roger, and James, I just was like, man. Why can't they just get eaten already? Yeah, Agent Barnes was terrible, Chad was terrible, Fran was entertaining. Yeah, I liked her. But then, like, any soldier that appeared was just very stone-faced and... Well, kind of like a soldier in general, like, they were just there to follow orders. But they were... It was like they were reading off of a cue card. They weren't even trying. Yeah. I think they were meant to be just, um, government stooges, basically. Only one is allowed out of the van at a time. Yeah, that, Either that, that you or him. Yeah. That was bad. I like Gilligan's Island. <laughs> I am standing here in this movie. And that that's it. That's my bottom three. I don't think it's that bad. Okay. For me, number three would be they really... They threw in in the movie awkwardly a few comedic uh, moments... For example, and I don't know if they were trying to get at anything deeper with this, but Torch was this stoner guy, and at one point he forgets his weed behind him, so he, like, has a breakdown, like, this really, even though I thought he did good in the movie, that was, if they were trying to make it seem serious, like, he'll never get to smoke weed again or whatever, it didn't work, he just came off as comedic, and then it was also because he just shot his roommate who had become a zombie, even though he didn't kill his roommate, it was like everything was going wrong for him, and that was his breaking point. Yeah, but it still came off as more comedic, so it's really hard to tell if they were trying to go for that. I think it just dragged on too long. It was like a three-minute yeah. scene of him going, no! Like, he literally just, like, um, go, like, um, smash, like, he Donkey Kong smash. Yeah, Donkey Kong smashes the concrete and goes, no! And it was, it was... Like, is this supposed to be funny or what? Like, it's certainly not serious. Like, I can't take it seriously. And then, and then it, at one point he tackles a stoner to get, like, weed out of his hat. And I'm like, it was kind of funny. But I'm like, once again, it was just awkwardly shoved there in a movie that, other than that, and maybe, like, two other moments, didn't really have any humor at all. So it was really awkwardly shoehorned in there. And I just felt if they weren't going to intermittently put humor in there or to, like, make it more human, I just felt that they should have just kind of done away with it. Like, maybe had... I think it would have worked a lot better if they had, like, some little jokes between the characters that were kind of funny but heartwarming, like, better dialogue with it instead of just having these awkwardly comedic moments. I To me, it just didn't seem to work. The only characters that seemed to have any kind of comedic dialogue were um, when you met Torch's roommate. 
And he walks in and Torch's roommate's like, he points a gun and Torch is like, whoa, holster that six iron cowboy. And he's like, welcome home, honey. Yeah, that wasn't bad because it seemed like something that might actually happen with people. But like the other things, it's like, oh, well. Are you are you trying to like? And for the longest time, I actually thought because of that line "Welcome home, honey," that Torch and his roommate were were gay lovers. But that was when I watched this movie ten years ago. Seeing it again now, I'm like, wow, that completely is not true. Well, they never disprove that. So. Well, they do have separate bedrooms. Well, maybe they're waiting till marriage. Possible. Two thousand and two thousand four. You a while. know. They're waiting, waiting to get married in the zombie apocalypse. You never know. It was, I'm not one to judge. And what was your number one on that one? Well, I haven't gotten a number two yet. Oh, okay. you're we're still on number three. Wow. God damn it. I'm jumping here. Yeah, God, calm down, man. I'm not. Maybe there really are zombies out there. Okay, so number two, I'm going to have to go with um, the quote-unquote big threat of the zombie apocalypse and this in their defense is probably due to budget limitations so you kind of mentioned this with the zombies just kind of popping out but i mean what was really going on like they're like things are a lot worse and worse than the government's letting on and i was waiting most of the time to see that and they kind of show that at the end but it was kind of weird because i'm like these are like walking dead zombies where it's like I could never feel afraid of them. It's like, just walk away slow, like, briskly, and you'll be okay. Like, well, you have to like, box yourself into it. That's addressed in the 1990 remake of George Romero's Night of the Living Dead, when it was directed by Tom Savini. And at the end of the movie, you know, in that version, Barbara just walks out of the, bar, out of the farmhouse and just walks through the zombies. She just sidesteps them. She just keeps walking. And that's like these Romero-esque zombies, the slow, lumbering... Just kind of like lunge and lurch and bite you. They're Except not really the threatening. Eater. Except for the flesh eater. Well, that's because he was, he was mystical and badass. Yeah. And he was played by Jordan H- um, Bill Hinsman. Hinesman. Yes. So, and uh, what was it? And also, this movie does take place in Rhode Island, and there's only like 30 people that live in the state of Rhode Island because you it's that fall small. off the edge. So, uh, there couldn't have been that many zombies in Rhode Island. That's true. I mean, maybe, like, since it is such a small state, they're all kind of afraid, like, I might I might fall into, like, you know, another state or, like, into the ocean if I, and, and since took, if I step the wrong way. And it was in Pawtucket, so I was expecting, like, the Pawtucket Patriot to come out with his, like, Oompa Loompa minion-like clone now, DNA awesome. as zombies. <laughs> so, yeah, you had the whole zombies everywhere threat, and it's like, but where? Like, they're like, ah, they're, they're really hiding things, like... But they never showed that, and the whole time I'm like, well, where's this threat, you know, guys, that you're that you're willing to die for? I mean, they kind of mentioned that, like, the zombie virus mutated, or the Lazarus, Lazarus virus, whatever, um, T-virus, whatever you want to call it. I remember when Lazarus was a department store. I don't. <laughs> but um, they say that it, like, mutates, where it's, like, now airborne or something, you don't have to get bitten, but... And they're like, well, the government's covering, covering that up, but... As far as just knowing a little bit about viruses, unless you test things, you can't just report on it right away because you will – you do run the risk of, like, spreading hysteria over something that you don't know. Maybe he actually was bitten. Like, how many cases were there? How many studies were done on this? Like, you really need to do a little bit more before you're saying conclusively that this is a cover-up. And I, I'm once again, this is probably due to budget restraints um, and things like that. I did think I do credit them once again for doing for kind of going outside the box in zombie movies, but you really do 
they really didn't do a very good job showing, showing me what the big threat that they were trying to expose was. And for number one, this movie just tried to cover way too many issues. Like they had the government covering up the zo- how bad the zombie zombie virus was and the whole it's going to be the apocalypse thing, which we never saw. So that kind of seemed like it was only kind of hinted at but never really shown. Another one was um, they kind of they they also go in with um, government regulations like there were curfews, there were they were taking away um, guns, they were taking away certain rights of people, which they kind of briefly mentioned, but they never really touch on that at all. I mean, they have um, government guards out and that end up shooting people, but it kind of just came off as an accident, really, and I think it kind of was. And then there was uh, racism. At one point, like, they just have these angry rednecks going, yeah, I hate zombies and black people and all this stuff. It's like, well, okay. I mean, I mean, we're, they were painted as really being, you know, obviously stupid, dumb rednecks, but why were they on TV? Like, obviously, we weren't rooting for these people. We were supposed to believe that the government was the good guys, but then these guys suddenly come out of there. It's like, well, yeah, they're dicks, and they're, we're supposed to believe that they're dicks. So. But they like Gilligan's Island. Well, the government liked Gilligan's Island. They're inbred hick guy like just like shooting guns and messing with zombies and at one point they actually show like uh a bunch of like guys is like pushing zombies and stuff I'm like yeah this is the th- threat you're trying to uncover guys like look at them they're just pushing them like and staple gunning money to them yeah it's like so where's the threat guys come on bullying yeah An- another one of the oh yeah another touching one upon. that's true that's another issue like at one point they have a bunch of people saying like suffrage for the dead it's like what like where did this even come from like that I get... came from the uh the movie uh, oh shit i'll think of it in a couple well, minutes i'm just talking about this movie in general dead next like, door that's yeah. where it came from i mean I'm, I'm sure i i guess i came did come from something else but was it that made they were making reference to things i mean i guess i can kind of see where like when he watches the news there's all sorts of shit going on and it's like all people are breaking out and doing crazy stuff like every day like people people are nuts but they they didn't focus on anything and it seemed like they were going like they wanted to cover so many things but they were too bipolar to stick to one thing and i just think it would have done better if they had just you know organized and took a step back a little bit more you know what i think they would have done better if they had paul what's that a quote war quote wars. all right what do you got for me this time i'll start off with Maybe you get your ass off the couch and away from the TV. Torch. Yeah, by Torch. Don't forget your broomstick, bitchy McBitch bitch, from James. My problem is that we're in this fluff, this bullshit while people are dying out there. Another by Torch. Not only are we lucky enough to witness the end of humanity, but we have the means to record it for posterity. Another Torch quote. Torch are the best lines, but... Tell your family that you love them. Make peace with yourself. Or do the one thing that you've always wanted to do. And do it now. Because this may very well be your last chance. By, by Sherry. We can't send people out tomorrow like nothing's wrong. They're going to die. I know the news is mostly crap, but I can't remember the last time we flat out lied about shit on purpose. From Torch. Drink the fucking coffee. There's enough Irish cream in there to sedate a mule. By James. Now it's the goddamn uppity flesh munchers. Couple of years back, we was the boogeymen. The government called us anarchists, called us un-American, says we were paranoid crazy. Well, who's laughing now, Uncle Sam? 
Our families are safe and protected by us. When the government collapses under its own bureaucratic weight, our militias will become the white man's last hope of survival. Praise Jesus. The militia soldier. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Oh, and that is it for this week's edition of Quote Wars. If you've seen this movie, or even if you haven't, tell us which quote was the best. Who won this week's Quote War? And I, I don't give a shit. Just tweet us something at Bros, all one word. Or go on our Facebook page, tell us that we're assholes, or, you know, just generally whatever you want to say at uh, Bros on Facebook. So, anything else you wanted to touch upon on this movie, Paul? Um, yeah, a little bit. So, as I stated before, one of the things that I, I liked about this movie was the fact that all the characters, even the good characters, like um, the soldier, the reporter, and Torch, I, I didn't care about any of their other names except for Torch, but they all had their own reasons for doing things. They were really quite interesting characters. Um, for example, um, um, the, the soldier, he was just in love with the reporter. He, um, he was really nice to her. He thought that they had some kind of connection, which was strange because they really didn't have, they had just met each other. And she, he, um, at one point she rejects him and he, he gets kind of pissed off. Like, what do you mean you're rejecting me? And he gets, he, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't do anything to her, but he gets pissed off and he kind of grumbles and goes and leaves. Then we, we see him. He's at this, this kind of strip club, you know, the type where they've got a woman behind a, behind a sheet of glass and she does she strips and does does her dance and for that she was clearly supposed to be um the reporter that he was lusting over and he's there you know doing this thing while she does her dance and then then a zombie breaks in and starts eating her and he keeps doing his thing and it was really it said a sorry i had to take care of one of the zombies out there uh good i was scared there for a second but so he yeah, he keeps doing his thing, and it really said a lot about his character. Basically, he was he was really, from what I can tell, a narcissist. He believed himself to be just this all this great hero, this heroic guy, this nice guy who really deserves this um this girl. And when she rejected him, basically, he literally got off in her dying. Like it was really narcissistic. And you actually see the reporter in, uh, later on, she's saying how she only really cares about like making it big. And narcissism was kind of a theme in that. I think even torch in a way could kind of get that because he really, as a, this stoner, when he's smoking with his roommate, he's talking about how, how he had an interesting quote is about how no one remembers the, the guy who filmed the Hindenburg, but they remember the film, the, they remember the recording of it. And he, in his mind, at least from what he said, not to say that he, he didn't have good intentions, like they did want to warn people about the quote-unquote threat, but he definitely wanted to feel important, like he was doing something important for the world. So I'd say, like, he had a touch of narcissism, but no more than the average person. I'd he say the other kind of like a serial killer, like, I'm going to kill all these people so I can get into the news and history books and be remembered. Kind of, yeah. Like, I mean, technically, if you look at, like, self-importance, it doesn't mean that everybody recognizes you, though narcissism normally does. It's about them getting it. But it can also be, like, how you feel about yourself as well. Like, I feel like I'm super important. I feel like I'm special and extravagant and just so important only i can do this task and if you take and once again i know the threat was all because of um 
budget restrictions. I'm not going to fault them on that. But let's say you look at the film as in there really wasn't much of a threat. Then that mean, that takes it to a different level. And these people really did have a sense of self-importance. In fact, they kind of were, instead of helping people, which they could have done, like survive zombies, they were just kind of filming and maybe even like getting in the way. So if you look at that, maybe there was a bit of... Um, Maybe there's there's there was definitely a bit of narcissism, maybe even a little bit of schizophrenia that they thought that there was this big um this big threat that really we never saw except for the end, which kind of seemed kind of contrived. Yeah, I, I I can't say anything to any of that except that I don't understand in these movies, like the reporter Roger makes her advances on Sherry, and she's like, I'm not looking for anything right now. All right. It's the middle of the zombie fucking apocalypse, and you're not going to take this chance to get laid? It's me, either me or no one, bitch. Like, I've never understood that in these kind of movies when it's like, we're going to die soon, so let's just have the most fun and get the most pleasure out of life that we can in these last few minutes. Oh, no, let's just run around and scream and not do anything productive. Like, seriously, take the last few minutes of your life and do some crazy shit. Hand it on a high note. And that also kind of took you out of the mood, I thought. Um, It took you out of the realism when it's like, oh, I don't know. We'll wait to see what happens next But then, like, later, you know, whenever James is saying his goodbye to all the other characters when he's sending them away from the station, he, like, takes Sherry and makes out with her. And she, like, walks away like, whoa, that was the greatest thing ever. And then she starts talking with a Jersey accent because... Oh, the Jersey accent was weird. Like, she didn't have this accent throughout the whole movie. Then at the very end of it, when she's being all, all um, or narcissistic and talking about how she just wants to use this whole thing to, like, become famous, she suddenly has a Jersey accent. But then again, like, my I, wife, having been in production classes for news, they don't want accents when you're on the news. So she probably, that, that was probably intended to be there. Although it was kind of stupid and out of place in this movie. I think it was a commentary on how New Jersey is evil. I mean, the guy did, the writer for this movie did originally write Citizen Toxie, the Toxic Avengers fourth movie, which takes place in New Jersey. True, true. Which, you know, is, is, is where God forgot, according to Toxic Avenger, the musical. God's blind spot. So, you know, the only other thing I want to say is this movie did only have... 16 days of filming it started being filmed may 15th 2014 they wrapped up filming on may 31st of that same year so that's a big accomplishment yeah i think any criticism we may put toward this movie also has to be taken into context the fact that they did have a really low budget and they only had since it from may 15th to may 31st to actually film it so So it's really it's if you take that into consideration it's really rather impressive let's give this movie a score so just a number score, Paul. Okay. Out of 10 on our shot scale, just to review, our shot scale is a reverse scale, one being the best, 10 being the worst. How many shots of alcohol should you take to get through this movie? Paul, one to 10. I'm going to give it a four. What a coincidence. I also gave it a four. So, Paul, why don't you tell Copy us just that. why, in 90 seconds or less, you gave this a four out of 10. All right. For me, I give this movie a four out of 10 because... I definitely found it interesting. At no point was I like, oh, God, I need a drink to finish this. But at the same point, it was kind of slow-paced. There really weren't – there wasn't a lot of action in it, which I know it wasn't supposed to be about the action. But it's about zombies. You have to have some zombie attacks. 
And overall, when you watch it and you pay attention to it, there really are a lot of flaws with the logic. I credit them for having an interesting idea with it, but once again, it was a little too cluttered for me. They really didn't develop a lot of it. And you saw the ideas they had, but you would have liked to see them do more with it. You would have liked to see them kind of slow down, take a deep breath, and say, all right, well, how would this really play out? Like, how would a real threat be? And how would people really look into this? Like, it just seemed very strange to me. And it just, once again, the movie seemed to have a weird, like, kind of bipolar disorder and was kind of all over the place, like movie ADD or something like that. And I liked it, but... It wasn't perfect, and I once again I'm taking into consideration very small budget and short short amount of time to film it. All that stuff can be forgiven for that, but I did notice it, and I have to point it out. Well, I have to say that uh, feeding the masses is definitely a less is more kind of movie. It has an extremely low budget, and clever writing is the only thing that had this movie going. And the only thing that really held back this movie was the lack of talent. You know, it's a zombie story with character focus and an actual underlying theme blended together seem lost in today's blood-driven dribble with, you know, the pollution of the the modern zombie craze. Uh, A little action here and there and peeking into the minds of those who are being unraveled by the zombie plague really gives this movie heart and soul, which comes out so rarely, even in big-budget films anymore. This combines to become a movie I give a 4 out of 10 on the shot scale. If you want a more modern take on social commentary film as opposed to something like Dawn of the Dead from 1978 or something that's a little different in the zombie or conspiracy subgenres, this is a good movie to check out. You know, even if you're into media films, anything that's about news, you know, this is a good movie to check out. You know, Live from Baghdad... It's a good movie. It's a big-budget movie. Feeding the Masses, it's a good movie. It's a low-budget movie. Both are about behind-the-scenes of media. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I mean, it was strange that they kind of... Well, not strange. They definitely picked the zombie thing because zombies are pretty popular, um, and they were back back in 2004. Well, that was when they now. were first starting their comeback. Yeah, that's true, but what I mean is... Overall, they really could have picked almost anything. It seems like zombies were kind of... It kind of worked to make it seem more interesting. And the zombies were just kind of a key in that to show that. I mean, overall, like, zombies aren't real. It's impossible. So it just kind of took, like, an element of fantasy and kind of mixed that with real social commentary. Speaking of Live from Baghdad, which is an A movie... Well, is, is anything made by HBO considered an A movie? I think that was an HBO original. I have no idea, really. I don't know. But anyway, let's take a look at HBO. some A movie companions. You know, we know not everybody likes the same shit as us. So we like to take an A movie, a high-class movie, and compare it to our B movie and show you why that movie and this movie are just the same movie. So for me, my A movie companion for Feeding the Masses is Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island from 1998. Yes, it's a straight-to-video animated release, but fuck you, it's Scooby-Doo. That was 1998? Yes. I remember when that came out. It's an A movie. It's Scooby-Doo. I was 10 years old. I don't care. So, why is Feeding the Masses the same movie as Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island? Well, I'll tell you. 
Torch looks and seems like what Shaggy would be like in a life after Scooby dies. He eats Scooby. Both movies have zombies. They both involve some kind of cover-up in Feeding the Masses. It's the government covering up the threat of the zombies. Quote-unquote. In Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, it's a dark secret of the community. And in Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, Mystery Inc. needs to use a camera to see the ghosts before they become manifested as zombies. Well, in making the camera very important. In Feeding the Masses, Torch needs a camera to show the undead and the truth to people. So the camera is very important. And that is why Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island is just an A-movie version of Feeding the Masses. Jinkies, gang. Like Zoinks, dude! <laughs> Rest in peace, Casey Kasem. Aww. So, Paul, do you have an A-movie companion for I Feeding do. the Masses? My A-movie companion for this movie is one of my other favorite movies, Army of... No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Full Metal Jacket. Wait, wait, wait. You mean that Vietnam War movie? Yes. I can't wait to hear this shit. I do mean that Viet- well, Vietnam War movie. Created I bet by... you could suck a golf ball through a ho- garden hose. <laughs> Wouldn't would even have the common courtesy to give him a reach around. Yes. Um, I am going with Full Metal Jacket by Stanley Kubrick. And the reason is both of these movies had a lot they they had they had a darker tone to it. There was something darker in the world going on than everyone was led to believe. In the in Feeding the Masses, it was a zombie apocalypse, which everyone was, was told, yeah, go out, go shopping, it's not that big of a deal, blah blah blah. And you're constantly told, you know, trust the government, blah blah blah. And in Full Metal Jacket, basically the film kind of did the same thing to the audience. It was very, like I said, Full Metal Jacket is one of my favorite movies, and one of the reasons why, why is, it's set up into two parts: one with the boot camp, and the other part with when they're actually in Vietnam. And in both parts, it starts off where it's got a lot of comedic um, elements, like when you see Private Piles getting yelled at and just failing at everything he does. It was kind of hum- it was kind of um, humorous. And then it gets to the realism and the darker part where he's getting beaten by the other soldiers with the socks full of soap when he... Spoilers. Hey, Paul. How do you shoot women and children? I don't remember that one. You lead them a little less. (laughs) (laughs) Helicopter gunner. Yeah. A very dark comedy. Yeah, and like then he shoots himself in the head, and like even in the next in the other part, you know, there are soldiers are making jokes. You know, they're um they had the part with a hooker. It was really humorous, and then you get the part where they're surrounded by like dead bodies. When like the sniper, like they finally uh, get the sniper, and it's just like woman who's like begging for death, and it's like wow, this is so much worse and so much bigger than we we actually realized. And it's it's such a powerful movie. And this movie, uh, Feeding the Masses, kind of did a similar thing, except we knew that everything was worse. It was a very low-budget zombie version of it, in a way, except it didn't have Stanley Kubrick's genius for it. Though the people who did this did a very good job, I'm not knocking them. It's just there's only one Stanley Kubrick. Uh, both these movies had, um, like I said, there were... Um, they both um, dealt with um, situations that the government was handling. Um, in the 
in feeding the masses, it was them covering up how bad the zombie apocalypse was. You know, trying to comfort everybody, trying to like see, trying to get them to keep watching TV, going out, like so they can they can control everything, so they can kind of get more secretly like allow more power, like limit limit the average citizen's power to increase the government's power. In exactly in um. In Full Metal Jacket, what we had was, well, Vietnam. Like, we know how the government kept sending more troops, how everybody was, how the media really portrayed it as, you know, not being as bad as it was. Meanwhile, people were dying, and it was only later that people realized just how bad it was. And this movie kind of showed that. In fact, there's parts where the soldiers are being interviewed, and they're kind of revealing a lot of that stuff. Like, there's a great part where um, one of the soldiers is being interviewed and he says I feel like we're there like the government's taking away our rights to give them rights and it was just kind of revealing things in a very in a very interesting way in a real realistic way and that's one thing I really I it was very similar about these two movies I, I feel like we're getting into more of a review on uh, on full metal jacket here <laughs> yeah yeah well go see the movie if you haven't if you haven't, you're a bad person. As a matter of fact, yes, please go and watch Full Metal Jacket. It is a, a great movie. Indeed. And one quick thing I just want to say. I looked up the definition of the word zombie. And a zombie, according to the dictionary, is a person whose behaviors, responses are wooden, listless, or seemingly rote. That means a routine. And obviously a zombie, as we know it, is very much like that. They're, they have no personality. They just live to eat. They, they're completely mindless. And it did, And like many people say, you know, a good soldier is somebody who, is, who doesn't have an imagination, who just kind of follows order, who is essentially a zombie. So yes, you can kind of, in a way, and I don't want to get like, too much into politics or anything or like and i'm not making trying to make a point but you can if you try to and certain literature has make a make a soldier or a zombie into an analogy for a, a soldier so it kind of works on that level too you know what else you can do what's that you can dance if you want to you can leave your friends behind because if your friends don't, don't dance and if they don't dance for you no friends of mine we can dance francais so well, every week after uh, towards the end of the show, we do a little thing called Drink Away the Flick. Now, some of you may wonder, what the fuck are these guys drinking? Because I even during our show, we seem to get a little crazier as time goes on. Well, even during our show, we're drinking. Why? Because drinking is fun in moderation. Drink responsibly. But anyway, back to the point. Wouldn't be as lovable as we are without drinking. I digress. What we like to drink is a, a drink that we concocted ourselves, and we like to call it the B-movie. Why? Because we watch B-movies. B-movie drink trademark. Now, the secret to the B-movie is it has to be bottom shelf everything. Why bottom shelf? Because bottom begins with B. If you haven't picked up on this concept yet, I don't know what to say to you. Anyway, Plus, for those who've never been in a liquor store, bottom shelf is the shittier one. So you're probably watching a shitty movie, have a shitty drink. Cheapest stuff you can get. So we like to concoct it as one shot bottom shelf tequila, one shot bottom shelf whiskey, one shelf bottom shelf rum. White rum, dark rum, doesn't matter, whatever's the cheapest. White 
whiskey, dark whiskey. Not uh, sorry, I meant tequila. Doesn't matter. Whatever's the cheapest. So you mix one shot of each of those with generic lemon lime pop or soda or tonic water or whatever you call it where you live. Soft drink. It's really called soda. Everyone else is saying it, it wrong. It's three ounces of hard alcohol, nine ounces of soft drink. You could you could mix it with lemonade. You could mix it with Kool-Aid. You could mix it with ginger ale. If you want to do it wrong. We but. like generic lemon-lime pop. As and that be. is the B-movie. So if you want to make a B-movie and drink away the flick, drink away the flick, Come on and grab your drink. Let's drink away the flick. Here is how you can do it. From me. These are our drinking games, by the way. If you haven't figured it out by now. Every time zombies attack, take a drink. Number two. Anytime Torch talks about or alludes to freedom of the press, take a drink. Number three. Every time a commercial plays, take three drinks. Number four. Every time the government interferes with broadcasting the truth, take a drink. And number five, every time someone masturbates to a person being eaten by a zombie, finish your drink. How often can you say that? (laughs) Sadly, with the movies that I watch. Far too many times. Far too many times. (laughs) Okay, for me, I'm going to go with every time Torch either whines about not having weed or acquires weed, take a drink. Can we add or smokes weed? Or smokes weed. Every time he's involved with weed, every time you scratch your head and you're like, wait a minute, what? Take a drink. And every time you get the concept, but you're like, well, you tried. Take a drink. And those are the ways you can drink away the flick. I just want to say quickly, like, if you go to a bar and you order a B-movie, well, obviously they're not going to know what you're talking about. Then when you tell them, you're going to get a weird look, and it it just, it throws everyone for a loop. It's better than it sounds. uh, It's not good, but it's not the worst thing I've ever had. Um, I just want to add one more thing. The writer of this movie, whose name I cannot remember, but Paul knows... He's first His name is Trent Hager. He is first credited with writing the story to Citizen Toxie, which is the Toxic Avenger 4. And at the point of this broadcast, the last thing he wrote was the story to the video game The Evil Within. That's pretty awesome. That's a that game's got hell, a hell of a storyline. So, yeah, I mean, this guy actually is a good writer. It's just the limitations that this movie presented him with that stymie that. And you can definitely tell that, like, the people who made this movie, they They were... Yeah, they And they they wanted to make a great movie. I mean, for having 16 days and a very low budget, they really... They got a lot accomplished. I was impressed, considering everything. And I I feel like that's kind of like, oh, well, you tried. But no, they really did. And if they had a, a decent budget, they had more time, and just... Some better, equi- better, um, better equipment. They would have. This would have been a fantastic movie. That would, I think, everybody would have known about this movie had it been just a bit, a bit of a higher budget. And at that note, I want to say, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at B Movie Bros. That's all one word. Which, of course, you fuckers won't because you're lazy as shit. 
And like us on Facebook at B-Movie Bros. And if there's a B-Movie you want us to review, send us, uh, tweet us, you know, at B-Movie Bros. Go to our Facebook page, leave us a message, leave us a note, look us up. I don't care. I'd like to hear from somebody eventually here. You know, one quick thing now that I think about it, when I went to the A-Movie Companion, I chose Full Metal Jacket, but the other movies I was thinking about going with were Diary of the Dead, which follows actually a film, an amateur film crew that, that like, when the zombie apocalypse and George Romero's um, Night of the Living Dead first came out, it takes place at the same time period. And the other one I couldn't pick because it's not, a, it's not an A-Movie, but if you ever want to check this one out, we'll, we may review this at one point, the movie... Cannibal Holocaust. And this is one Paul, hell of a movie. Paul, no. We have to. No. We, have to. we one day, and Rape. I'm going to state this, Rape. we Fire. are going Fire. to review Cannibal Holocaust. Cookie Loaves. Oh, God. Cookie Loaves. I just had to throw that out. Now now we're, now we're, we're tied into it. We have to do it one day. No. Not next week, but we will. But if you do join us next week, we'll be checking out our first psychological thriller, Hatred of a Minute from the year 2002. Now, please it's, tell me it's not another zombie movie. It's not another zombie movie. Oh, it's God. a psychological well, thriller about a serial killer. There could be psychological aspects in a zombie movie. Um, see, there's so now, many B zombie like movies. Like this movie, Feeding the Masses. I haven't break. seen this movie in like 10 or 15 years, which says a lot since I'm 26. And um, it, what it does say is my mom is awesome. And... You know, I used to love Feeding the Masses so much, and I like it less now. I don't know if it's because I've gotten smarter, so the movie is dumber to me, or if I've gotten dumber, so the movie is smarter than I am now. But Hatred of a Minute is another movie that I have not watched in many, many years. So my either getting smarter or getting dumber will really have an effect on how I look at this movie. So once again... I'm looking forward to that one. So once again... You know, follow us on Twitter, Bros, all one word. Find us on Facebook, like us, whatever, B-movie, space, B-R-O-S, period, Bros. And just remember, until we meet again, be alive, be brave, be back next week. <laughs>